And as always, every Monday at 7.40, we are very, very happy, honored, actually, to entertain our next guest. His name is Rich Lowry. He's the editor of the National Review. Kind of mad at him, though. Very prolific. He yeah. writes a lot of columns. They're, they're in all the papers all over the country, here in the New York Post in the tri-state area. Very successful guy. But uh, Brilliant. What do you mean you're mad at him? I'm mad at him. Okay, what's the problem? I have to ask. I'll tell him right now. Okay. Rich. Yeah, what is it? I was checking my Twitter this morning. I'm still waiting for the Rich Lowry happy birthday tweet. I don't see it. I see uh, it. I blew it. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> no, he takes it very seriously. Rich. I, think I did promise last time, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. That's okay. I still love you. I'm just kidding. That's he really okay. does. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, Rich Lowry, listen, as I mentioned, you're uh, prolific with the columns and. Uh, I have to ask you about them. You, you know, you talk about how the media completely blew the Trump ventilator story, but your latest, the absurd case against the coronavirus lockdown, and uh, you premise it on, well, the, the, the projections didn't come to fruition because of the mitigation that we practice. Now, a lot of that may be true. A lot of the mitigation did help, no doubt about it, but I would not say that all of it. I mean, some of the studies, some of the indications are that maybe the, the, the data that they put into these models, these projections, was faulty to begin with. I mean, you, you're going to hear about, you probably heard already about this study out in Stanford, this antibody study, yeah. where, where they tested uh, 3,200 people out of, uh, say, 2 million, and they found, a, they found an incredible number. They had 1,000 confirmed cases, and it turns out that uh, out of the 2 million, they had 1,000 confirmed cases. It turns out that maybe uh, they have uh, over 50%, maybe 50 to 80% of people who actually had the disease and you never knew about it. So therefore, the initial projections were wrong based on that study. And we're starting a similar study here in New York State today uh, based on a statement by Governor Cuomo. What do you say to all that? Well, one, I've, I've never been one to cite these numbers that 2 million people are going to die. I mean, obviously, we're never going to let that uh, happen. Uh, so I'm just basing it off the the fact that we have 40,000 people dead. Uh, so clearly it would be multiples above that. I, I have no idea what the number would be. And I'm not an epi epidemiologist. I don't know how to evaluate that Stanford study. There's some metho methodological issues. Some people pointed out if, if you track those numbers onto New York, it means everyone already has it, um, which that doesn't seem, doesn't seem right. Uh, but clearly, there are a lot of asymptomatic cases, and a lot of people get this disease and are fine. It's just it's it's to a, a subset of the population. It's really virulent and more virulent than the flu. So my my case on the lockdowns isn't that that we should stay locked down forever or that we shouldn't be loosening up now. I think we should. And as you guys know, I, I've been um, talking about the cost downside cost of this all along, as well. It's just that. Uh, uh, People were, were stopping going to restaurants. They were stopping going out before the formal shutdowns. And they're not going to come fully back unless, even when the orders are lifted, unless we've really gotten a handle on this disease. So I think the shutdowns, they've lost time. We can't do them forever. And we should be thinking about how to open up, which the White House has been doing, and how to make it sustainable so people aren't scared anymore. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. We, we've been saying that for quite some time. We're not idiots. We do realize that keeping people inside for months at a time, which we've done, will lower the amount of cases and, and certainly deaths. We know that. But 
And it's not worth, I'm not going to say, well, it's worth losing a couple lives to get businesses open, but it kind of is. <laughs> you know, so when Donald Trump is out there saying liberate Michigan, and he's getting hammered by, by the liberals and the press because he wants to do two things. He wants to control the virus and make sure this country doesn't go broke. I just don't understand all of the vitriol in his direction when this is clearly a two-prong issue. It's A, how do we yep. limit the amount of deaths? And B, how do we save this country from completely shutting down? Why don't people understand it's a two-prong issue? Yeah. So we're never going to uh, – there's never going to be an opening up where we can be confident no – excess person is going to die of coronavirus. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality. So opening up will let the, the virus spread more than it is now. The, the question is whether it's manageable and whether the cost is worth it. And there, there's just a balance here. There, as you're absolutely right. There's, there's a balance. And some people don't want to hear it. And there's kind of a fervor and fanaticism to it, uh, which I think is, is disturbing. And how about the uh, political aspect? I mean, why do you think that a lot of these uh, politicians and their partners in the media, when, when it comes to the WHO and China, I mean, they're, 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 they're averse to criticizing both. They're, averse, they're, they're quick to criticize the president. He's to blame for all these deaths because of his slow actions, oblivious to the fact that he implemented a travel ban during impeachment. But uh, Still, they, they apologize for China. They don't focus their ire on where it should be focused, in my opinion, is, to, is that China, not necessarily for the accident that happened at the lab, if it did, if it didn't, with the fact that they shut down uh, the city of Wuhan to the rest of China, and Beijing, for example, Shanghai and Hong Kong have death counts in the single digits. And they allowed flights to JFK, to New York City, where we are experiencing a tremendous amount of death and, of course, economic destruction as well. Why do these politicians apologize for them, Rich? It, well, it's largely the anti-Trump hysteria. So they're convinced that if you focus on China or the WHO, you're taking the focus off Trump, and you can't do that. But the, the fact is China had a, a real opportunity to limit this to Wuhan. If they hadn't denied it, uh, at the outset, if they hadn't punished doctors for warning about it, if they had disappeared journalists who reporting reporting on it, they could have kept it in Wuhan. Uh, they didn't. That that changed world history. It's created this public health and economic calamity across the Western world, and that's all on China. And the WHO was right there with them, was swallowing every single lie that China was saying. And bizarrely, it still has not said a discouraging word about China. But criticizes Taiwan, which got it right because it didn't believe anything that China right. or the WHO. Right. Free China, free so, China. Yeah, so it's, it's absolutely right that uh, Trump wants to withhold this funding, and we'll see whether we can force some transparency and reforms. I mean, it's really hard dealing with these kind of organizations, but it's absolutely the right thing to do. No question, and that's why it's gross when a guy like David Muir sits there with Bill Gates for twenty minutes, convincing us that Donald Trump is doing a horrible thing. When, of course, that's not the truth. Rich Lowry here, National Review. So, listen, you're a big sports fan, big Yankee fan. By the way, did you watch the Michael Jordan piece last night? I did not. Oh, Rich, I don't care if you like basketball or not. You got to watch it. Just take your mind over this other nonsense for two hours. It's great. But you're a big sports guy. You like to see your wins and losses, the outcomes, predictions. We keep hearing the same thing. If Donald Trump wins the war against this virus, he's going to win re-election in November. If he doesn't, then Joe Biden, even though he has no idea what day of the week it is and if his sister, his mother, the whole thing, he's going to win. That's the bottom line. So my question to you is if the election was tomorrow and not November, if it was tomorrow, 
does Donald Trump win re-election? Uh, come on, that's a come tough on. One. Oh, come on. I think he, I think he loses. Really? If right now, he loses. Now, now, why do you say that? I mean, he, he, it was a 60% approval rating a couple of weeks ago. We know about the China ban, the Europe ban, the task force. He's done some good things. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just asking, why do you think yeah. that's the case? I think, I think he's within range of winning. But I, I think he needs to, to, to work on work Joe Biden uh, over uh, for, until November um, and, and kind of win the same way he did uh, against Hillary. Finding a way to make Joe Biden... Uh, unpalatable or unacceptable to that segment of voters that doesn't like Trump, but can be convinced that he's better than the alternative. I don't think those. I don't think that segment of voters is is there yet. So I think he'd lose today, but very well could win in November. You did, now, I would throw this out: uh, his uh, his instincts towards China for years, even before he ran for president, was that they're ripping us off. They're bad people. We gotta we gotta hold them to task and all this stuff. And now more than ever, I think the general public perhaps realizes that maybe Trump was right. Maybe it wasn't Russia, Russia, Russia as the Democrats. Maybe, yeah. maybe China is a threat despite what Joe Biden said. I mean, do you not think that Pete, that's resonating maybe with some of the people who are stuck at home saying, wow, China did this crap to us and Trump's been saying this. Maybe he is right. I mean, I guess you don't believe that that's uh, resonating with them. Well, I do think certainly I think opinion is, is turning on China, it already had been, but but even more so. I do think that'll be uh, an issue in November because Biden oftentimes says these things that are bizarrely favorable yeah. uh, towards Beijing, uh, and has been soft on on China. Has a record of that, so I think that'll definitely be an issue. But another thing, you know, has been going on that hasn't gotten a lot of attention because we've all obviously been focused on the virus. Th- there have been revelations that show the FBI should have known that the dossier was infected with Russian disinformation from the beginning and was completely unreliable um, and uh, just ignored it um, and hid it from the, the court when it was looking for to surveil Carter Page. So that that is a brewing scandal that's kind of bubbling under the surface here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bill Barr said really disturbing things about it, and now I would be shocked if he, he charges uh, these yes. FBI guys with something. Yeah, but crime. but here's a problem. It's another great column you wrote, by the way. Yes, that, that is a great column. Read, yes. But here's a problem with that, and this goes to our our mutual friend Chuck Todd. And you're on Meet the Press all the time, and you're terrific. He ain't going to bring it up, you know. Uh, CNN ain't going to bring it up. So this brewing story that you're talking about, that you wrote about, that you and Bernie just spoke about, the media is not going to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's disturbing. I mean, they've been obsessed with Russia for <laughs> three and a half years. And now we get an indication that, that Russia was using this dossier perhaps to influence our, our politics and tar a presidential candidate, and, and they have zero interest. It's yeah. just... It's, right. In other words, yeah. the Democrats and uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign colluded with Russia, the exact opposite of what they were accusing the president of. And yes, now that we have pretty much definitive proof of it, they, they want to ignore it. But we still have a lot of time. There are going to be debates, and Joe Biden keeps putting his foot in his mouth. He's going to have to explain his, uh, his, his uh, opposition to the ban and his uh, talking about China's not a threat, man. And, of course, there's always Hunter. Where's Hunter? So we, we have all this to look forward to. So Where's Hunter? I don't know about this, uh, predict, this prediction of yours, Rich Lowry, but uh, I, hope it, uh, I hope it doesn't come to fruition. Yeah, well, again, I, the question was today. 
question was not yeah. what was going to happen. Right, 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 right. Don't try, don't try to push me into bad predictions. No, 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 no. no. Listen, I, listen, I've already... I'm back up on the Wuhan labs. I'm 60-40 on the Wuhan No, labs. you were 70-30. <laughs> and just, you know, I, we've already called the New York Post and everybody around town. Which Larry, the headline's going to read, Trump loses tomorrow. <laughs> You're great as always, Rich. I'm, like, I'm like Joe Biden. I think the, the election might be tomorrow. I'm not sure which day it is. <laughs> That's right. He's going to celebrate. He's going to win. <laughs> hey, great job. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. Always. Always the best. Actually, if Joe Biden sees that column, he's going to think he won. <laughs> he might. <laughs>